see people off of Facebook. I know, right? Like in person. I don't like onion rings at all. Oh, really? Today. Yeah, I don't. It's less the flavor. The flavor's fine. It's onions in the batter and whatever. What it is, is when you bite into one, inevitably, inevitably, the onion comes out yeah. and it like flops around and it's messy <laughs> and it looks like a worm. And when I was like three Ooh. or four, the first time I had an onion ring, I thought it was a worm and it freaked me out. And now I just don't like them. Like, I feel like it should be good, but it's not. It's just, it's just a worm in a ring. Oh. Like a blue, what about a blooming onion? Oh, that's different. Okay. It's different entirely because, I mean, the way the onion is cut and also the sauce is amazing. Did I ever tell you guys about what my mom told me guacamole was? (laughs) Um, Sorry, mom. (laughs) She's not going to hear this. My mom, when I was a kid, did not exactly win any, like, best mother awards, and this is sort of one of the reasons why. We used to go to this Mexican restaurant called Little Mexico. We used to go there pretty frequently before my parents got divorced, and um, we went there one night, and my mom was, like, really, really, really hell-bent that I should try guacamole. Hmm. And I was like, I don't want to, no, eh, no, whatever. And she was like, come on, just try it. And I said, what is it? And she said, it's moth guts. And then she shoved some into my fucking mouth. And I have not been able to eat guacamole since because that's fucked up. How many moths would you have to mash up? Yeah, that's a lot of guts. Yeah. It's It's like, it's too much effort. The first time I ever came to Boston was in the uh, spring of 1997, junior year high school. You know, I'm kind of from the upper Midwest. And um, we were having dinner in the North End after checking out colleges where we missed half the appointments because we couldn't find any of the the offices because it's Boston. We were eating onion rings, calamari, and some other third thing. And somebody says, when I was growing up, the only seafood I had were fish sticks. And the waiter who was uh, refilling our water at this point goes, this is like a Boston wise ass kind of waiter. And about 15 minutes later, we were eating our appetizers and he came by and he goes, hey, how do you like those fish sticks? <laughs> and he got us. We all laughed. <laughs> that was my first ex- impression of the city of Boston. Yeah, that pretty much That's sounds about right. Yeah. 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 Well, it's funny is the, you know, it, the weird the weird dichotomy between seafood as sort of like kind of a, almost like a working class kind of food where you get your, you know, you got your clams, you got your lobsters. My uncle's got a lobster boat. I'll take you out sometime, you know. And then as soon as you move slightly away from Boston, away from, from New England, it's like, oh, a lobster. That's that's really, oh, no, no, you know. <laughs> Put the tie on, right? That's right? And it's it's weird. It's this weird thing. If you live in the middle of the country, like there is no port city, so like your Italian food is the Olive Garden, and like, <laughs> right? I mean, is that am I wrong? I don't know. Like that's Correct. the impression I get. And and like if you if you're lucky enough to have a Red Lobster <clears throat> close by, like maybe you're able to get some Red Lobster. You know, like I don't know. I don't know if you if you remember this, but some time ago, Fargo, North Dakota restaurant critic Marilyn Haggerty reviewed the local Olive Garden. And she was, she was very effusive. She said the bathrooms were lovely. The best possible dining you can imagine. 
Uh, and of course, everyone everyone made fun of her. I think someone posted her. I think Kitty Drexel actually posted that to my Facebook wall. Um, <laughs> but there was one person who actually stood up and made a, a prominent post defending her, and that person was Anthony Bourdain. Oh, rest in peace. Yeah, I read that story after he died. This is hilarious they thought this would work but like i went to uh the university of maine for college and someone actually tried to open a red lobster in bangor maine uh. <laughs> this is like trying to open a taco bell in mexico city there's no point it's just like no they have the real thing here like why would you so um that's the one time the second time i was in wichita kansas they keep changing my flight time all right well i'm I have a bunch of friends here I haven't seen for a while. I'd love to hang out with them as long as I can. I should leave here at 4.30 to get this. Okay, I should leave here at 5.30. Okay, I should leave here at 6. Cool. They keep moving the flight back. I get to keep hanging out with people and, you know, whatever. So, finally, it seems solidified at about 8.45. Flight's going out. I leave what I think is too early. I get into the security line, and the TSA is taken Forever, just forever to get through everybody. While I'm in the TSA line, they bounce it back to six o'clock. Stop! Original time. United Airlines, ladies and gentlemen. Now, um, so I gather all my crap together, right? Yeah, literally have my shoes off, running down the terminal in my socks to try to get to the train. Ah! Get there. They've closed the door. The plane's left. Oh, Missed my God. the flight because they kept moving the flight back. That's it. That's the one flight. And I don't want to complain about being held up at security because I swear to God, United has two people working at the, the booth. And it's a Sikh guy in a turban and a trans woman. And I'm not going to complain to those two about being held up by the TSA. <laughs> Because I'd be that guy. So <laughs> I'm like, God damn it. So like, I, I get a room for the night and everything. And I'm just there. And there's nothing happening. And it's Wichita. And like the bars all close really early. And I'm just like bored. There's nothing to do but like sit in my room and watch X-Men Apocalypse on sci-fi. And I'm not doing that. <laughs> so I'm starving. And I'm a pescatarian. So the one place I can go to eat is a Red Lobster. And so I apologize to all of my New England ancestors and head on over to the Red Frickin' Lobster, which the bar is open. But I don't want to be the guy drinking at a Red Lobster in Wichita. But I did sit there with my sad little Jack and Coke and my dubious plate of probably not really crab on my pasta, right? And contemplating the circumstances that led me to Wichita, Kansas, at a Red Lobster on a Sunday night. Yikes. <laughs> Sorry. To be fair, though, being that guy at the bar at Red Lobster is better yeah. than being sober in Wichita. There you go. I'm so. telling <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Wait a minute. What happened to the people who yeah. left later than you did? Ah, uh, I don't know. That, that, that's enough. I've never there, heard of a flight being bounced back. I haven't either, Ed. Know who did it? <laughs> no one. Who? Management at Red Lobster. Yes. <laughs> they wanted to entrap me in a situation where I'd have yep. to go to Red Lobster. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. It's fine. <laughs> Very aggressive marketing. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. My waitress was really nice. I don't know. Ha, <laughs> ha.
<laughs> Pumas. Pumas. Yes. We need your help. We need your help. The parts of the world just believe in global warming. I... How Robert Siegel do on today? Very nice. I had the strangest day of my life. I'm still trying to figure out what it means, so I restarted my diary tonight. My last entry from 12 years ago was about how mad I was that the Someday Cafe closed. Even my handwriting was different then. The parts of the world which believe in global warming, i.e. most, are celebrating today at the unveiling of a plan called Project Airseed, which will, in the words of asshole Elon Musk, totally fix global warming. <laughs> fix. Right. More like postpone. Sure, our team found the answer to climate change, but it's going to take a lot of non-renewable resources, and what's going to fix the shortages that result from that? If there's one thing I've learned, it's that every human achievement contains the seeds of its next likely extinction. It's only a matter of time. I can't see a future for us that lasts more than a hundred years. Ugh. One hundred years. One hundred years. One hundred years. As I fell into the dream, I thrashed around, unsure of my surroundings, but feeling that I had traveled forward in time. I landed on a sand dune in a desert, and waited until my head stopped spinning. I heard a noise and I could tell I was being approached. It began as a strange beeping. Then it became visible in the distance. At first it looked like a giant beetle scurrying towards me. As it got closer, I saw that it was something part organic, part machine. It lowered over me like a circus tent, and its legs were human beings. There were five of them, all covered head to toe in slick plastic. They all had their hands up and looked like they were holding onto the same large metal sphere in the top center. At first I couldn't tell, but they were alive, at least alive enough to blink. They were facing in all different directions, but none were looking at each other. For a few moments I could only stare at this creature, hypnotized by its movements. Each time it picked up one of its legs to take a step, the human who made up the leg pivoted at its waist and knees, then straightened them again just before it landed. The farther away it was, it looked graceful. The closer it got, it looked grotesque. It's an angel! Kill it! No, Twenty! <gasps> Hello. Greetings. My name is Dr. Cassie Selnick, and... Hello? Did you just say hello to me? The term hello promotes a false and destructive narrative that you're some kind of outside visitor and that we've got to waste time meat learning about, and it is a lie! 67! Delta Block. The human who said that closed his eyes and rotated away from me, but the other four were still watching. I wasn't sure what he meant, but I pressed on. I am a visitor. I greet you. Kill twenty. Worship twenty. Hide twenty leaks under sea. Silence. The person on the second leg to the right seemed slightly more in charge, if anyone was. The plastic around him opened and he stepped onto the ground. He blinked several times and suddenly approached me. Hey, sports fan. We are Clyde. Glad to make your acquaintance. I'm a little lost. Ignore any insults you may receive from my cortexes. We pride ourselves on our ability to talk down to friends like you, sports fan. But I am the one closest to your devolution state. As we continued to talk, we eventually began to understand each other. The strain on Earth's resources had caused severe rationing, but they had learned to cope in a fascinating way. In this future, every human being was put into groups of five and was physically joined to an artificial intelligence. This was called an individual. 
The five humans were wired so as to share one brain under the AI's guidance. The AI regulated each human's food, water, etc., and made sure they had enough information on the things they needed. It could even put the human elements in suspended animation during droughts and blackouts. Essentially, every human pooled their resources, consciousness, and their personality into one being. They all swore they had the perfect amount of self-expression, and were always listened to by the others in their individual, while the AI was giving them everything they need. See, sports fan, it's just like the television series popular in your day, Voltron, right? You've got five lions, but together they form the defender of the universe. <laughs> and you form the head? Sure. They were so invested in this way of thinking that they didn't see me as an individual. They kept calling me 20 because they thought of me as only 20% of a person. It would only be able to understand if we explained it all day, 90. It's too stupid for us, 95. And percentages defined their language. Each time one of them finished a statement, it seemed to be required to say what percent confident it was that it was true. Don't talk about 20 like that. Improper assholeitude, 100. Just because it's a little slow doesn't mean it's stupid, 30. They took some getting used to, even as they started to humor me with some conversational niceties. Well, we're glad to have met you, Ted. Meeting a 20 from the past has definitely expanded our horizons. Three. God, you are wasting our time, 97. I would be happy you to literally jump in a landfill and die, eight. And there's the bullying internet I've come to know. I got bummed out again, but then... Doctor, I know you've worried about us, sports fan, but have a little faith. We are really making progress on all our sports fan problems. How? Well... A light came on from the AI on top of this individual. It showed a holographic projection of blueprints for a building which I couldn't hope to understand. We use the meat of our brain to entertain and emote, but we use the rest of our brain to calculate and solve. You are looking at plans for the most efficient water desalination plant ever designed. Once it is complete and joined with the work of other individuals, water shortages and thirst death, will be a thing of the past. Wow. Our job is thirst. My individual friend Duane is working on energy. Our individual friend Keisha is working on space exploration. It is only among the stars that humanity can be safe from the vicissitudes of this one planet. And, um... What's your confidence percentage on that? We can't figure a confidence percentage on a statement that be big. We are not fools. Huh. And at least you know that your children will have a future to live in. I mean, I wasn't really planning to have children. Well, at least you know your favorite science fiction television series will have a future to be rebooted in. Thank you. That does make me feel better. Back at you, sports fan, sports fan, sports fan. What had I seen? Was it the true future? Whatever it was, it did give me a strange sense of peace. I had spent years focusing on the present. But when I think of the past, I'm reminded that our species is more adaptable than we can even know at any one time. Being strapped into a computer with four other people sounds like a nightmare. But I look outside my window and what do I see? A nightmare. 
I read the news and every day it's a nightmare. Maybe by the time we get there it won't seem like such a nightmare at all. I thought that would seem hopeful, but now that I say it, it just seems depressing. But who knows? Maybe tomorrow it'll seem hopeful again. If you have traumatizing memories of food, email them to unreliablenarratorpodcast at gmail.com. It may be read on a future show. Individuality featured Caitlin Mason as Dr. Celtic, and Steve Auger, Carl Danielson, and Andy Hicks as Clive. Join us two weeks from now when we ask the question, what would Calvin Coolidge do? This program is produced by the Unreliable Narrator Theatre Group, Somerville, Massachusetts, copyright 2018. Visit unreliable-narrator.com.